You're listening to The Daily Sweat Podcast, episode number 14. Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Daily Sweat Podcast. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ariana, and I am your host here on the show. I'm a personal trainer, a life coach, and I'm here to bring some realness and authenticity back into your health, fitness, and wellness game. Now, we're back here for our third installment of a three-part series on training and the female cycle. So if you're just joining us for the first time today, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to episode number 12 first. That's going to just give you an overview on how our hormones fluctuate through the course of our menstrual cycles. Going back to a little bit of biology class or sex ed from like grade seven, in case you've forgotten it since then, like I had. Then go take a listen to episode number 13, where I dive into the implications that those hormone fluctuations have on our training and how we can adapt our exercise plans to suit those fluctuations. And today we are here to talk about the impact that our eating habits and our exercise habits can have on our cycles. Why? Because those two things impact our cycles more than we think. And this can be a positive thing, but in most cases, unfortunately, it's a negative. And there are a lot of women who are doing some really unfortunate things to their bodies without realizing it. And I think I'm seeing more of it mostly because I'm just immersed in the fitness world and it's a lot of what I see online and what I hear people talk about. But I feel like it's becoming more and more rampant with more people seeing what other people are doing and not seeing the whole backstory and thinking that, oh, I just need to exercise a ton or I just need to eat a ton and then I'll be super fit or I'll lose all this weight or be this ultra marathoner and all these different things. And in the process, they end up really, really harming their bodies and it doesn't take long to do a lot of long-term damage. So... I'm really hoping that from this conversation, we can start to be a little bit more educated on how our actions are impacting our health and to start to do things differently. And this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart because this is something that I have actually and continue to struggle with. Um, I think it was about four years ago, I was training for my first half marathon And I was running like five days a week. I was strength training six days a week doing this um, bodybuilding program on top of it. I wasn't a bodybuilder, just doing bodybuilding program. And I was doing like a macronutrient cycling diet. So I was going from a low carb to a medium carb to a high carb day and then switching through all that. And I just, I wasn't eating enough to sustain me. I was eating around 1800 calories a day, which I thought was a lot. But when you're training for a half marathon and also doing six days a week of strength training on top of it, 1800 calories a day is not enough. At the same time, I was also working full time and beginning to build my business. So I was working 17 hours a day and doing all of this crazy stuff. And it just manifested in a number of hormonal issues, which I am still working on balancing now. I'm fortunate in that I am noticing improvements and I am on the path to healing, but it has been a very long and a very challenging process. And it's one that I would love to be able to help other women avoid. So let's start with how our diet and our eating habits can impact our cycle. Now let's start with healthy fats. 
Healthy fats are super, super important because they are necessary for optimal hormone production and balance. So things like fatty fish like salmon or tuna, enjoying things like nuts, avocados, coconut oil, grass-fed butter, all of these things are really important to help your hormones work at an optimal level. Iron is also really important, primarily because when you bleed, you lose iron. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, can vegans and vegetarians get enough iron, all these kinds of different things. And the, the reason why this is a topic of discussion is because there are actually two types of iron. And there's heme form iron, and then there's non-heme form. And heme form comes from animal sources of iron. So like chicken, beef, pork, uh, fish, it actually doesn't come from eggs and dairy. So eggs and dairy and plants will only contain the non-heme form. And this is an important distinction because heme form is absorbed by the body much more easily than the non-heme form. Now, it's not to say that animal protein only has heme form, it also has the non-heme form, but it still has that heme form that our bodies uh, prefer to extract and utilize. So people who live on a vegetarian or a plant-based diet do run the risk of not having enough iron in their diets. So some really good sources of plant-based protein, mind you, non-heme form uh, sorry, not plant-based protein. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, plant-based sources of iron, but the non-heme form sources of iron would be things like lentils, chickpeas, spinach, and there are even some uh, whole grain sprouted breads that are also higher in iron. Um, so it's not to say that you have to eat meat, but um, you will likely find that if you're feeling really fatigued throughout your period or after your period or even just before, if you are not a strict vegetarian or vegan and you're okay with having some meat in your diet, it doesn't have to be a lot, eating a little bit of chicken or pork or steak can help with that fatigue. It's funny because every now and then I like crave a big fat steak and it is always in line with a certain time in my cycle. It's funny how our bodies work, hey? Um, okay, moving on to protein. So protein is really helpful for those lackluster days. I've talked in the last two episodes about when we start to find our energy dipping and when we just feel tired and foggy and fatigued, consuming some extra protein can be really beneficial here. And this can be both plant-based sources of protein or animal sources of protein. So obviously animal sources of protein would be animals, um, fish, meat, chicken, pork, dairy, eggs, that sort of thing. Um, and then plant-based sources of protein, we have lots of them. So hemp hearts, chia seeds, nuts, legumes, um, rice. Most plant foods still, still contain some protein, mind you, not as much as animal forms, but it is still 100% possible to meet your daily protein requirements on a plant-based diet. The key is to just make sure that you're eating a variety of plant-based foods so that you can get that optimal combination of essential amino acids because not all plant-based sources of protein have all of those essential amino acids. So just switch it up. Don't eat rice and beans every single day. Although rice and beans do contain that full amount, but I'm just, just saying it's important to switch things up. 
Um, a quick note as well on magnesium. Um, many women do say that they feel like they get sugar cravings at certain points throughout their cycles, um, specifically for chocolate, and that can be a sign of a magnesium deficiency. So magnesium supplementation can be helpful with those sugar and chocolate cravings, but always just be sure to consult with a healthcare pr practitioner before opting to take any new supplements. So these are all things that are helpful for your cycle. They contribute to not just a healthy period and, you know, eliminating or not eliminating, but reducing symptoms of PMS, but they also just help your overall energy and vitality. So the key here is whole nutrient-dense foods and eating a variety of those nutrient-dense foods. Some things in our diets that can negatively impact our cycles. The first one is refined sugars. So refined sugars disrupt your blood sugar, and this can worsen your PMS symptoms. So refined sugars would be things that you would find in like, you know, just regular milk chocolate or like not great quality dark chocolate. Um, you might find them in cakes, in pastries, in processed foods, soups. Um, if you've ever tried to do a sugar-free challenge, you will know how difficult it is to do because sugar is hiding in everything. So again, going back to our whole nutrient-dense foods, if you're wanting to reduce refined sugars in your diet as much as possible, it really is just easiest to eat real food and to limit the processed stuff. Caffeine is another one that can really make your cycle a challenging thing to deal with. So it can worsen anxiety. So especially if in week three, you're finding that you are more susceptible to anxiety. Sorry, it's week two where um, anxiety levels tend to be higher. If you find that that does impact you more, it's probably a good idea to lay off the coffee a little bit because coffee can also heighten anxiety. And regular excessive consumption of caffeine can really disrupt your hormones. And this is something that I was guilty of for a long time. So you've probably heard that drinking lots of caffeine can elevate your cortisol. But what happens with our hormones is that there needs to be a balance of hormones. So if one starts to increase, others are going to decrease to account for that increase. So specifically when it comes to cortisol, when cortisol is elevated, progesterone is going to stay lowered. And then when progesterone is lowered constantly, that is also going to throw estrogen off, which can make us estrogen dominant. Sometimes it can also make us low in estrogen. It just completely fucks up with your entire hormonal system. So it is best to not drink like a pot of coffee every single day. And I know that that's not a very popular statement that I have just made, and it's not even popular with me, but since reducing my caffeine consumption, you know, right now I'm pretty much only drinking decaf, or if I do choose to have coffee, I have uh, Four Sigmatics Mushroom Coffee, which I will link to in the show notes. It's got some really great adaptogens, and it just helps to kind of lower that stimulative effect. Um, I've really been noticing a big difference in how my PMS symptoms are manifesting. So just something to consider. And the big, big one when it comes to our diets and our hormones is extreme dieting. So these low calorie diets, these extremely low fat diets, when we go on these diets, our body doesn't have the nutrients that it needs to support proper hormone function. So this can lead to more intense symptoms of PMS 
It can lead to irregular periods or it can lead to a complete lack of periods, which, you know, when I first lost my period, I was like, this is great. I don't have to deal with a period. And then I realized that that was a sign that there was something very seriously wrong in my body. So dieting is one of the biggest players that can really, really mess with your cycle and completely throw it off and can make you have to spend many years and a long time working to get things back into proper balance. And then finally, we're going to go into training and how our exercise habits can impact our cycles. So when we're engaging in moderate, regular activity in a variety of forms, this is great for the body. So this is a blend of, say, strength training and aerobic activity, doing some of the higher intensity stuff like HIIT training, metabolic circuits, combined with some lower intensity stuff, whether that's low steady state cardio or some yoga, things like that. Having that variety is key. It helps with our mood. It can help us maintain our weight, which also helps with hormone balance. And then it can also help with our hormone balance. So both directly and indirectly. But there are some ways in which our exercise habits can negatively impact our training, or sorry, our cycles. And the first one is by overtraining. So when we're overtraining, we're basically doing more exercise than we are allowing our bodies to recover from. So true overtraining is a very, very dangerous state, which a lot of people talk about being in, but they're not actually in. Um... The main thing that I see in today's world and, you know, with the general fitness aficionado or people who are training for marathons and things just for fun, it's not so much a matter of overtraining, but it's more a matter of under-recovering, which from a hormonal standpoint is still just as bad. So this stresses our bodies, specifically the adrenals, the thyroid, and the pituitary gland. And these three glands here, they all release hormones. So we have a number of different... Um, hormonal mechanisms throughout the body. Hormones come from different areas. And as I mentioned before, if one of our hormones is out of whack, all of the other hormones are inadvertently going to become out of balance as well. So when we start to mess with our hormones from the adrenals and the thyroid and the pituitary, we start to mess with everything else. So what tends to happen then is, you know, if we are constantly in a state of elevated cortisol, we're going to have lower progesterone and we get that elevated cortisol from only engaging in high intensity forms of activity or only doing lots of long distance running. And this is something, you know, I have a lot of runners come to me saying, you know, I'm training for marathons, I'm doing half marathons and I wanted to lose weight, but I'm actually gaining weight. And this is usually because of cortisol. But again, I feel like that's a, a topic, another topic for another day. When we're specifically looking at things from a cycle standpoint, um, when we're only engaging in these high intensity forms of activity and we're not giving our bodies a proper chance to recover, we're, our bodies aren't going to have the energy that they need to maintain both our activity levels and proper hormone function. And this is a very big problem that is not spoken enough spoken about enough, especially within the endurance communities. So there's something that's known as the female athlete triad. And what this is, it's um, a combination of three different um, symptoms, I guess you could say, or three different manifestations, um, hence the name triad. So the first one is 
either complete amenorrhea, which is a complete disappearance of the period, or it is um, an irregular period. And I think if you are considered, or if you have less than eight periods in a year, you're considered to have like um, dysregular, dysregulated periods. So that's the first one. Um, it also comes from energy deficiency. So not eating enough food to sustain your activity levels. They're referring to calories as energy there. And this can be either in conjunction or due to an eating disorder, or it may just be due to a lack of education as it was in my case. And then it also results in, um, or it also includes either bone loss or osteoporosis. So what a lot of young female athletes notice, especially those who are in like college sports or they're training for Olympics and things like that at a young age, they are probably not eating enough, especially because if there's a lot of pressure on them to look a certain way or to reach that racing weight, they're going to be very conscious of the amount of food they're putting in their bodies and likely not have enough. They're going to be training for long and high intensities, and they will likely notice that they're getting stress fractures or their periods starting to go away. And all of these things are signs that they are really messing with their bodies because of their training. So this is something that we don't talk about a lot. And as like, I haven't talked a lot about my struggles with my hormones and my period, but every time I do, somebody is like, oh my God, I am going through the same thing. And I didn't know why, or I didn't know that other people were dealing with this too. So it's just really important to shed light on what is happening and to open up the discussion about this. So in summary, when we're eating a balanced, nutrient-dense diet with lots of healthy fats, we're helping our body's optimal hormone production and maintenance. Uh, we best fare when we limit refined sugars and caffeine, and let's just ditch the extreme dieting just, just for our overall health and well-being. From a hormonal standpoint, yes, but just because dieting sucks and it's stupid. And our bodies also fare best when we balance high and low intensity forms of activity. So remember that we are all unique and we all have different thresholds. So what might be considered prolonged high intensity activity for one may actually be fine for another. So somebody might be able to train at higher intensities for longer durations than you can. And that's okay. Our bodies are all made up differently and it's important that we learn to respect our bodies for where they're at and to honor our fabulous uniquenesses. So that's all I have for you today. I would really, really, really appreciate it if you found this helpful to please share this episode with some of your friends. Let's open up the discussion about our periods and our cycles and how training and our nutrition are impacting all of those different things. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, and for allowing me to hang out between your ears. I will catch you next week. Have a great day. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, I would be super appreciative if you would pop over to iTunes and leave a review. This will help potential listeners find the podcast and know what to expect if they listen. Thank you.